Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. Thank you to all the folks who stuck with me through these past six or seven weeks of hiatus as I worked through our virtual annual conference session in the Great Plains. Yeah, we had a few glitches here or there, but all in all, things went about as smoothly as we could have hoped for. It's also been a big time for my family. Our son graduated college, played in his last college baseball game, and he got married. Our daughter and son-in-law started the process of buying a house, and my wife kept us all on target and in line through all of that. And along the way, I was appointed to serve a church on a quarter-time basis. So starting July 1st, I will be the pastor, as a lay minister, of Centenary United Methodist Church in Lawrence, Kansas. The podcast will continue, but its format and timing might be in flux for a few weeks as I let the dust settle a bit on things. One possibility is something that some of you have actually requested, and that is discussions with people in our conference about Scripture. Maybe we'll take the lectionary from time to time and study that together. So we may mix that in a bit more amid the stories of discipleship across Kansas and Nebraska in the coming weeks. But let's focus on this episode. Today I want to share a story about the Lydia Patterson Institute and of Dr. Sikora de Anda. She's the president of LPI and is retiring after 37 years at this incredible school that serves kids who live along the border of El Paso, Texas and Juarez, Mexico. We shot this interview as a video special of In Layman's Terms, so you can watch it at the Great Plains website at greatplainsumc.org video or on the podcast page on the website. Or you can listen to the interview right here. My guests include Dr. Deonda and Reverend Larry Moffitt, a retired elder from the Great Plains Conference who served on the Lydia Patterson Institute board for more than 25 years. So take a listen and see if the Holy Spirit's talking to you today about helping LPI continue its incredible mission of education and discipleship along the U.S.-Mexico border and beyond. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. My name is Todd Seifert and I'm your host. This is a video presentation of our regular podcast, which focuses on stories of discipleship throughout the Great Plains Conference and beyond throughout the United Methodist Connection and indeed the world. Today, I want to tell you a story. We're going to have a great conversation about an institution that you may or may not have heard of, the Lydia Patterson Institute. This school provides a high-quality education. It provides a Christian environment. And above all, it provides hope. Lydia Patterson educates children who live along the border of El Paso, Texas, and Juarez, Mexico. It has an amazing 98% graduation rate, and more than 96% of students go on to college. That's a great standard for any school anywhere. At the helm of Lydia Patterson for the past 37 years has been Dr. Socorro de Anda, the president of the institution. She recently announced that she's retiring from that role. So I invited Dr. de Anda to, in layman's terms, to talk with me about Lydia Patterson, her time there, and why this is such an important mission outpost for the United Methodist Church, the Great Plains Conference, 
and indeed for all people interested in children. Dr. Deonda, welcome to In Layman's Terms. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for the invitation. I'd like to start off by asking you to explain for people unfamiliar with the Lydia Patterson Institute what exactly this school is and why it's so important as an outpost for education along our nation's southern border. Well, for one thing, it's got a long, long history of uh, educating students on the U.S.-Mexico border. It is also the only institution that actually sits right on the border. Uh, it is also the only institution uh, uh, that's a pre-collegiate school that serves predominantly Hispanics. So when we look, look at why this school was opened back in uh, 1913, it was, it was actually established to teach uh, students uh, along the border that were uh, immigrating into the United States and settling on that, that uh, part of, the, of El Paso. And those children could not go to school because they were not accepted into the school for El Paso kids. So Mrs. Lydia Patterson, a member of a Methodist church in downtown El Paso, uh, it has been said that she used to ride a horse and buggy to South El Paso to teach Bible and teach uh, English to these young kids. So when we look back uh, in 1913 and we roll forward to 2021, we are still uh, providing a service for those students that live on the border, they do not speak the language and that need uh, some assistance in their education. Uh, so what we do is we take this uh, young men and women, we put them through high school, uh, teach them English, put them through high school, prepare them from college, and then send them off to uh, to college. So it is it is an amazing, amazing uh, ministry that changes the lives of these students. And it, I mean, the school has done this for over a hundred years. So it's it's an amazing ministry. It just uh, it's a redemptive ministry because we not only teach them uh, the academics of it, but also our spiritual formation of the students is extremely important to us. So we we uh, aim at uh, preparing them for college, but at the same time, when the students leave Lydia Patterson, that they leave with a sense of responsibility for themselves and for others. So it's an amazing, so amazing ministry. You have students that are from both sides of the border. Uh, that, that come to Lydia Patterson. Tell us a little bit about what a typical day is like for some of those students, because I know some of them getting to school and from school is, is as much of a challenge as the academics themselves. It, it's a it's a journey. Some some of the students may, uh, depending on where they live, may have to ride a couple of buses in the morning to get to downtown uh, Juarez, uh, get to the uh, uh, border bridge, walk over the bridge and then walk eight blocks to the school every day. So the way uh, things are at the bridge at this time, at the crossing point, it may take them a couple of hours for them to come across, plus another hour of travel and in, in to get from their homes to the bridge. So it'll, you know, sometimes it may be three, four hours from them, from their homes to get to the school, depending on what the situations are at the, at the crossing. So it's, and, and you know, the thing about it, Todd, is you never, ever hear them complain. Never. I mean, to them, this is part of their uh, education and this is part of their 
uh, journey and, and uh, they do it every day. I was going to ask about that because so many of these students, uh, those statistics I read at the beginning are just amazing. Most schools in the, in the most suburban areas of the United States would love to have those statistics, the 98% graduation rate, 96% going on to college. These kids have to be pretty driven to be part of Lydia Patterson because, number one, this is a school with high academic standards. It's not just you show up. Uh, but mm -hmm. to get there uh, is indeed a bit of a challenge by itself, like you said. Tell us a little bit about the character of the students that you have at Lydia Patterson, how that has, has uh, stayed over time. Well, you know, first of all, these students, uh, and, you know, we have students that come from families that can afford to uh, pay their tuition. I mean, we have to have that in order to be able to help the students that can't. But we also have a large number. Uh, one third of our student body is on, on, on some type of financial assistance. So these students might have had to stop their education at the sixth grade live, level in Mexico if we had not helped them uh, to, to attend Lydia Patterson. So to them, it's a dream come true. They're uh, not going to uh, let go of an opportunity like this. So they take their, they, this very, very seriously. You know, they're, here they are in a, in a school that, that uh, they feel that they might not be able to continue their education. And all of a sudden they find themselves in a school in the United States. So to them, you know, it is, it is uh, very, very important and they take this very, very seriously. The Lydia Patterson Institute has been uh, a focus for the Great Plains Conference. In all honesty, it was more so a focus for the former Nebraska Conference once upon a time. Uh, and certainly for the South Central jurisdiction uh, of the United Methodist Church for many years. Uh, can you tell us about that partnership and why it's important, not just for the students, but for the church to be part of such a partnership? Well, you know, of course, you know, being part of the South Central jurisdiction, uh, we get support through apportionments from every annual conference. That's one side of it. But to me, what's very important is the connection to the churches, to the uh, to the the people in the pew so that they know where their money is going, so they know, they know the work that they're participating in, in this redemptive work on the border. So those relationships are extremely, extremely important. We have a large number of churches within the, the uh, jurisdiction that provide scholarships for our students. That's over and above what they pay for their apportionments. Uh, we have a student lay ministry program where we train those students that choose to be in that program. We, we train them to come and serve in the local churches. So the churches provide internships for our students so that they can stay connected to the church. Uh, we also have partnerships with churches for the students that go away to college. For instance, in uh, uh, University of Nebraska or Nebraska Wesleyan, they provide scholarships for our students. And then we find places in the Lincoln area that will uh, offer them an internship and pay for their room and board in the school will give them free tuition. So it's, it's a, it's, everybody wins. It's a partnership in those students that go to college. You know, it's, they get to go to college. The, the uh, university gets to connect with the local church and the local church gets a resource uh, to develop Hispanic ministries or to use the students in any any way that they have. And the student stays connected with the church and 
through this program, we have a lot of students that have chosen to go to seminary. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a whole another generation of ministry, right? Yes, yes. So, so uh, as I was familiar, right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm gonna say, you know, these relationships with the local churches and with our friends are are so important. We have friends in 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 what used to be the Nebraska Conference and of course the Kansas Conference also that are still, you know, they're here every summer. On uh, we just completed a uh, uh, we call it the Field of Dreams. Uh, it's a a practice field for uh, for students to uh, have a place to play because we, those of you that have been to Lydia Patterson know, you know, we're kind of landlocked because we are in an area uh, where there's homes all around us. And so we we just finished this uh, Field of Dreams and we had we had some, some uh, uh, very, very generous donations from uh, this, from people that we have known for many, many years uh, to help us complete our field of dreams. So we, we're just very grateful to. It's one of the, uh, one of the unfortunate, uh, one of the unfortunate um, characterizations of a school such as yours uh, with such a heavy Hispanic population. That, okay, these are all poor children. Uh, the facility is probably run down. Uh, but the reality is, there's a lot of pride that is put into Lydia Patterson being uh, a haven for kids that maybe need that uh, as part of their schooling. And as I was reading on your website, one of the trademarks of your school is actually technology. Uh, in yes. fact, as I understand it, many of your classes are digital, at least in part, in nature. Uh, and so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how technology fits in and just how the school is operated to make sure that kids that maybe grow up in a little bit less than, than perfect circumstance get the opportunity to have a really high quality education? Well, you know, we always uh, working towards giving them the best education possible. And uh, about seven years ago, we engaged in a capital campaign to renovate our buildings in uh, four programs. And we went to an all digital classroom. We, after uh, doing some, some total renovations to our classrooms, we brought in uh, the latest uh, state-of-the-art technology. We put in smart boards in every classroom. Uh, we did away with textbooks. Students are on, uh, do all the work on tablets. We provide the tablets for the students. So consequently, you know, when we got hit with COVID and we had to close the school last March, we actually went from classroom teaching to online teaching within 24 hours. We were the only school in El Paso that was able to do that. And again, you know, uh, you say, well, some of these students may come from, from uh, impoverished homes and whatever. So we, we, we do what we have to do to, to bring them up to uh, the standards. When we went to online teaching, some of the students uh, did not have internet. So we wanted, we made sure that they, you know, we provided the tablet for them to take home with them and we provided them with hotspots so that they would have uh, um, internet. And also the, 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 uh, the, the spirit of the school is a very uh, much a family type uh, oriented culture. The moment that we went online, we had students that live in places where they do have internet when they, you know, they had computers or whatever, say, 
and other students that do not have it, we can share with them. So, you know, it's, it's beautiful the way they, they, they uh, uh, are very sensitive to the needs of others, because like I said, we have students that do have the need there that can afford all those things, but we, we have others that live in the colonias. Uh, we've had students that live in, in uh, uh, houses made out of cardboard in, 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 uh, uh, in, in, in those of you that have been to Juarez in, on mission trips and understand, you know, what I'm talking about. They don't have the, the uh, resources. So other students, you know, help them. So going back to the technology, you know, we are, I'm so grateful that we had done that because uh, first of all, that is, that is uh, imperative for the preparation of the students when they go to college and when they graduate from college to be able to be prepared, you know, for a changing world. So uh, we have the, the uh, we're in, in fact, we were one of the very first uh, uh, few schools in El Paso that have a classroom that is equipped the way ours are. It's just an amazing testament again to what uh, you do at Lydia Patterson Institute. We're gonna take just a short break. We'll be back with Dr. Deanna in just a few moments. We're gonna talk about the changes she's seen over her 37 years leading this important institution. We'll be back in just a moment. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion, and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Help make more disciples today. Welcome back to this special video version of In Layman's Terms, a podcast that's dedicated to discipleship stories in the Great Plains Conference and beyond. I'm Todd Seifert, your host. We're joined today by Dr. Socorro Deanda, who's the principal, our principal president. Do you serve as principal as well? I mean, uh, you'll have to tell, we'll tell us a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, Dr. Socorro Deanda, who is the president of Lydia Patterson Institute, uh, important ministry and, and school on the border of El Paso, Texas, and uh, Juarez, uh, Juarez, Mexico. Dr. Deanda, you've been there for 37 years. You're getting ready to retire. Uh, I know the date is a little bit in flux at this point, but over 37 years, you've seen a few changes at Lydia Patterson. Tell us a little bit about what life was like there when you first started and the advancements that you've seen over the years. Well, let me just say that uh, when I started here, uh, I'll take you back to 1984, my plan was to stay for three months. That was, uh, that was, that that didn't was work. what I was going to do. It, it didn't work. Uh, the uh, then president of the institution asked me to stay full time. And I said, well, I can't do that. I was in the middle of changing jobs and I had gotten an offer with uh, uh, Johnson and Johnson to as their chief financial officer. So uh, this was not my plan to stay here. Uh, what happened was that I was I was helping in the business office. I had promised to get things straightened out in three months, and I walked into the chapel one day for a senior chapel, and I looked. The seniors had just returned from their from their senior retreat. 
and uh, I saw the. I, I had not been to to any chapel. I hadn't even walked into the chapel, to be honest with you. I was too busy working in the business office. So I watched these seniors come up in front of 400 students and sharing their experience at the senior retreat. I was I was sitting in the very back, and I said, "Wow, if these teenagers." can stand up there and share their most intimate uh, experience with students and friends the same age, something good is happening here. So, you know, at that moment I said, maybe, maybe I can make a difference here. So I walked out of there and I said, I'm staying. That was 37 years ago. What have I seen throughout the 37 years? A lot of changes, a lot of changes. I happened to come at a time where the school was going through some very serious uh, problems. Uh, we had just experienced one of the worst peso devaluations in the history of the school, going from 20 pesos to the dollar to 2,000 pesos to the dollar. So uh, obviously that had a, a very negative impact on the school. They had already, the United Methodist Church had already closed one of the other schools like Lydia Patterson in Laredo, Texas. And the only one left was Lydia Patterson and the board was, uh, there was some conversation about closing Lydia Patterson. Uh, fortunately, it didn't happen. We, we went to work, we rolled up our sleeves and we said, we've got to do whatever it takes, but Lydia Patterson cannot close. And this is how we started. We started uh, uh, reaching out to the community, um, making a, an imp a greater impact without the community. The school was doing an impact, but it was not being recognized within the community. So that's where, you know, uh, we came in and we started doing a lot about that. We, we pulled out of uh, that bad situation and started moving forward, increasing our enrollment, uh, doing a lot of uh, fundraising. The very first thing that after I decided to stay was to engage in a, in a campaign for endowment because the school did not have an endowment, didn't have anything to fall back on. And so we did, we, we, uh, did, we, uh, did a, a campaign throughout the South Central jurisdiction and we raised uh, close to $4 million for endowment. And so that's, that was a big, big change right there. Uh, and then we later on, uh, we went on to, we started the student lay ministry program because the school, when it started back in 1930, place to young men for the ministry. And that had, had stopped in the uh, early 1960s when the church said that anybody going into the ministry would have to go to seminary. So therefore that part of Lydia Patterson was no longer needed and it went to be just a day school. So. All this time, I'm thinking, you know, we need to get back to the to Lydia Patterson serving the church, and it just dawned on me. But when I would travel to annual conference, and and the bishop would ask me and say, you know, we have a large community of Hispanics uh, in our in our conference. How can we reach out to them? And I used to think, you know, I'm going back to we've got 400 students that we are training to be bilingual. How can we use them? So I said, well, you know, we can't train pastors, but we can train lay ministers. And out of those lay ministers, we may have some that may 
you know, going to the ministry. So we began the student lay ministry program. It's been, it was been a great, and uh, because we, we are not only the students, but we're also serving the church. And that's been one big uh, accomplishment throughout the, throughout this time. Uh, we have gone through, through uh, more passive evaluations. Excuse me. We have gone through uh, um, border issues. We have, we have a lot of students that are on student visas. And uh, there for a while, for two years, we could not issue student visas after the Boston bombing because the government said we're not going to allow visas to be issued to students that are here for ESL programs only, just to learn English. So for two years, we couldn't do that. So we lost some, uh, some students uh, for that reason. So we had to go over that hurdle. Uh, what we did then, we added a seventh and eighth grade so that we could be, uh, uh, so could that be um, part, of, part of our high school and to be able to, um, to issue the, the student visa. So there's, it's all, it, you know, it's either one thing or another. I always say that, that Lydia Patterson uh, suffers everything that goes on in the world, or it's a peso devaluation or, or uh, uh, border issues or immigration, you know, it affects us. But that's okay. It's definitely, it's definitely a microcosm, right? It's a microcosm of the society of the United States and, and Mexico, South America, all those political things that should not factor into whether kids get a quality education, but somehow it ends up in your lap, right? It um, does. It does. And, you know, there is the, the economy is up and down and whatever, and it affects us. So, uh, but, but that's okay because that's, that's our ministry. That's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. You shared some great stories there. Are there any other memories of your time with Lydia Patterson that really stick out that you think illustrates something really important that people should understand? Oh my gosh, there are so many, Todd. Um, I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to after my retirement is to write my memoirs and write just stories from my students. Some of them are, are uh, uh, heartbreaking. Some of are hilarious. I'm a, we were just thinking about this yesterday. We we're talking about a, a girl that graduated from here and she came into my office one day and said, you know, would you please help me find a scholarship to go to college? Uh, and she, she had a boyfriend and I could see her on campus, you know, that she was very lovey, lovey with her boyfriend. So I told her, I said, uh, Sylvia, uh, I'm worried about some send you to, to McMurray on a full scholarship. But I'm afraid that you, you, you got a boyfriend and you, you're going to be wanting coming back or he's going to be wanting to go see you. And that's going to be a distraction. She wouldn't, she wouldn't say anything to me. She was just looking at me. So she left my office and the next day she came back in and just, Dr. Deanda, I don't have a boyfriend anymore. <laughs> she walked out of here, broke out with her boyfriend. That yet young lady ended up working for NASA in Houston. So she never forgot that. She says, thank you for telling me about that. She says, because otherwise, you know, I don't, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And stories like her, uh, we had two students that came from uh, uh, an, an orphanage. One of them actually graduated from Nebraska Wesleyan. And they were, this was their home. They were our children. They were our kids. Uh, so, you know, I could go on and on forever just telling you stories about our students how their lives were changed.
just by by uh, by coming here. I think that Thanks book that you're planning to write, that memoir, is going to be pretty entertaining for a lot of people, especially those who know what Lydia Patterson is. I think they will really be interested in those stories. Yes, because I have you have no idea how many stories I have from students, from parents, from teachers, from but mostly from the students, mostly from the students, the parents. Uh, which was another very, you asked me, you know, what's happened, you know, between all this time that I've been there. When I first started working with, uh, with the seniors uh, to, to send them to college, uh, our, our uh, experience of students going to college was very, very low. Uh, they were just not going to college. So I started instilling in them from the moment they came here that you're not here to graduate and go to work. You're here to graduate and go to college. So I actually had to educate the parents, especially for the girls, which was, you know, it's cultural. They didn't want to let go of them. So that was, you know, uh, some experience trying to convince the parents that it was okay for the, to let their children go to college. So now, you know, they don't care where they go. As long as they get to go, I can, sometimes I'm, I may send them to somewhere in, in uh, uh, Missouri, somewhere in, wherever, Indianapolis, they have no idea where they're going. They've never been there, and, and, and but they don't care. They say, you know, as long as I get to go. I had a, a student that went to Nebraska Wesleyan two years ago, and she rode the bus. And uh, the other students got there, and she didn't. So I was really worried about her. Finally, two days later, she called, and I said, well, where were you? She said, well, the bus broke down in Oklahoma. And we had to sleep in the bus. And there were some men on the bus that kind of, I was scared. So I didn't sleep because I was hanging on to my backpack for life because that's all I had. That's all I was carrying into Nebraska. <laughs> so, you know, this, this are, these are experiences that you just don't forget. I think that shows a tremendous amount of faith that these kids have and the trust that has been built up uh, between yourself and others at Lydia, Lydia Patterson with them. Uh, the fact that they are willing to go to college somewhere really sight unseen, <laughs> uh, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I would not have done that as a, as a person who was born and raised in the United States and know a little bit about these communities. I don't think I would be willing to do that. So that's, a, that's an amazing testament uh, to the school. I don't know if I would have let my children do that, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I already knew Larry Moffitt, and Larry was uh, their father in, 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 uh, in Nebraska, so... It, that it would that was okay. Once I told him about Larry, you know, it was okay. <laughs> we're we're actually going to talk to Larry in just a few moments. Uh, but uh, uh, Dr. Dan, before we let you go, I want you to tell us a little bit about how the people of the Great Plains Conference can continue to help the Lydia Patterson Institute long after you're retired and someone else is in that role. Please, please keep your your uh, uh, friendships, your partnerships with Lydia Patterson in. Uh, one of one of the things that we we ask that you participate in is to adopt one of our students, provide a scholarship for one of our students while they're at Lydia Patterson. This is because you know they have to go to high school before they go to college, so we have to support them here first. But uh, some of our greatest, more most uh, uh, faithful mission uh, uh, groups come from from uh, the Great Plains Conference. So you know this is. They're our best advocates when they go back and they speak in the churches. And so don't, you know, don't forget us. We're right here. We're in this corner over here. Uh, those of you that have never been to El Paso, 
I get asked that question many times. Where is El Paso? Is it in Mexico? No, not quite, almost, but uh, we're in this little corner and we're doing a great job. It's one of those ministries, small ministries that does miracles with very little. Uh, and we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be proud of it. We want you to know that every uh, that your investment in, in Lydia Patterson is creating some uh, great returns. Because one student that comes through Lydia Patterson can change a whole, not only their, their life, but the lives of their whole families. So that's, that's what I would put to our friends from uh, the Great Plains Conference. Stay connected to Lydia Patterson. Come and visit. Adopt, a, adopt one of our students. Um, you know, anything that you can do to be connected because it is uh, very fulfilling and, and very satisfying to see how the students are changed. Well, Dr. Dayanda, thank you, first of all, for the tremendous ministry that you found yourself falling into uh, un unexpectedly down at Lydia Patterson Institute and for sticking with it for so long and, and making such an important impact on so many young children's lives. Thank you so much for joining us here on In Layman's Terms as well. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. You mentioned Larry Moffitt. Uh, we're going to have Reverend Larry Moffitt. He is a retired elder from the Great Plains Conference. He'll be with us after this short break. How does your church celebrate big events? How does it gather the community together? How does it sometimes introduce you to people you might not have known? Many times in the Great Plains, it's with a potluck dinner. And that's what we try to do with our podcast, Potluck. This is David Burke from the Great Plains Conference and host of Potluck, where we do, in audio form, all the things a potluck dinner does. Celebrate big events, gather the community, and introduce you to new and interesting people. Listen to Potluck, available at greatplainsumc.org. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. Today we're talking about the Lydia Patterson Institute. It's in El Paso, Texas, right on the border with Juarez, Mexico. And we just got done talking with Dr. Socorro de Ando about the amazing work that's done there with young people on both sides of the border. I'm Todd Seifer, your host for In Layman's Terms, and now I'm joined by Reverend Larry Moffitt. He's a retired elder from the Great Plains Conference. He's now serving a church, believe it or not, in Kansas City, Missouri, doing a lot of different ministry types of things. Now you get to do the fun stuff, right? Uh, so Larry, talk to us a little bit about, first of all, what are you doing right now? And, and uh, thank you for coming to In Layman's Terms. Well, I am assisting Tech Sample, who came out of retirement to be the pastor at Trinity United Methodist Church in the Midtown section of KC. Um, there are about seven of us retired pastors in that congregation, and the, the congregation for years has done all kinds of uh, outreach ministries and community organizing, and they, they, they get to dispatch me every now and then to do stuff in the KC area. Part of my work is to uh, track city council in Kansas City, see what's going on, um, be a point person, spread information to members of the church so that they can respond and, and make a difference in community life. In addition to that, I'm going back about every other week to the first congregation I served, St. Paul United Methodist Church in Fayette, Missouri. Um, I was there for three years, starting 40 years ago. It's a historic uh, black congregation. It's been there for 165 years in a town that is in the heart of the Confederate section of Missouri. 
And it also is the town where Central Methodist University is located. The parish is alive and active and has just sponsored a huge Juneteenth celebration for all of Central Missouri. They organized it and they have brought other people on board and I'm really glad to see all the great things that are happening there. Thanks so much for joining us and tell us a little bit about what you're up to now. Uh, I want to take you back a few years uh, to the Lydia Patterson Institute and when you were first introduced to it. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and what your first impressions were of, of this school down in the southern part of the United States? Like many things that were a great blessing to me, it started off with a phone call from Bishop Joel Martinez. Uh, and he said, Larry, we need somebody from the Nebraska conference to represent us and keep us connected with Lydia Patterson Institute in El Paso. And I really want you to do it. And uh, somehow he and the cabinet decided that they would ask me to serve in that role. And that's continued ever since. I believe if I'm counting right, this is my 25th year of service on the board. And I have offered several times to uh, make room for others who are younger to grab a hold of that role. Because of the transition we're in now, I think I'm on for just a little bit longer uh, before uh, somebody else has the opportunity to uh, be in the place where I've been. So one of the things I want to ask you that I think is important for other people to understand is once people get involved with Lydia Patterson, they do tend to stay involved. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what it is about LPI that keeps you excited and keeps you coming back uh, year after year after year for that duration of time. It's the relationships. Um, Lydia Patterson Institute, as best as I can describe it, as best as I can understand it, uh, has always been a relationship-based educational uh, institution and that runs uh, countercultural to the faith because uh, we know, uh, countercultural, excuse me, to the culture um, and is very much a representation of the faith. The students have great relationships with each other. Virtually every faculty member knows virtually every student. Students come from all sorts of different backgrounds, some from very, very low income places in Juarez, some from places where there's a bit more uh, moderate levels of wealth. And uh, the school provides great quality education while it helps high school age students uh, figure out how to learn in a relationship-based way uh, in a thing-based consumer culture uh, like the United States. The great joy is for the last several years, 98% to 100% of our graduates have gone on to college somewhere in the United States, many of them in United Methodist related colleges. We have over 100 United Methodist related colleges and some of them and some of the nearby congregations like the ones I served in, uh, in Lincoln and in Omaha uh, have stepped up to make sure that students have an opportunity to get a college education. And I was going to ask you about that as well, because first of all, it's such an amazing statistic of how many kids from that school go on to college. Uh, there are a lot of, let's just be honest, 
upper class area high schools in the United States that would love to be able to have that statistic. Uh, it's just amazing. You mentioned schools that are close to you, colleges that are close to you. Your last assignment in the Great Plains was to First United Methodist Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, literally right next door to the campus of Nebraska Wesleyan University. And I know there were several Lydia Patterson students who were there just in the last few years. I think that's gone on for quite a long time. Uh, tell me a little bit about what that is like for you when you were pastoring that church to have kids from LPI coming to that school. That had to be kind of a prideful thing, I would think. Uh, to, to be able to see those kids flourish and, and become adults and, and, and mature right there, right in front of you. It's wonderful. Um, it's wonderful to see the students grab a hold of life and faith. Um, several other congregations in Lincoln were a part of uh, sponsoring uh, room and board costs for students. The uh, University of Nebraska Wesleyan um, gave tuition waivers to our students from Louis Patterson because they were so good once they got to college and such community builders. So it, it all worked together and brought things together, it brought college, church, community, our sister congregations uh, there in Lincoln and in Omaha closer together uh, because we were all in the, in the same kind of work and the students were always spark plugs and, uh, and, and people ready to do stuff, ready, ready to get involved on any level um, whenever they had time from their studies. And so for people out there that don't know exactly about Lydia Patterson, uh, we're going to have some information for you. We've got a website that you can go to. We'll put it in the show notes as well so you can uh, learn more about LPI. But Larry, help people understand here, why should they get involved with Lydia Patterson Institute in Kansas and Nebraska? This is a long way away from them. Uh, what are the benefits for the people who want to help these kids with their education? Well, it's, it's in our congregation's self-interest to get involved. Uh, first of all, we need to do things for other people. Second of all, we here in the heartland uh, need to know what's going on uh, on the border. And being involved in, um, in Lydia Patterson will give you a really good ground level view of what is going on on the border. I'd like to say more about that in a minute. But the, the major thing that I think um, is helpful for our people is to see that students from Lydia Patterson who come out of a relationship-based culture really bring that as, a, as a, a great gift to the congregations that we're part of, they're part of, and it, it, it's, it starts all kinds of other conversations and other understandings of life that makes a congregation's life much richer. I think those are great points. You mentioned you wanted to say something about the situation on the border, so I want to give you that opportunity. It took me um, the first three or four years to get a to get a grasp on what was going on in Texas culture, and also in uh, the borderland culture. Now, those are two very different things because I think much, in my humble opinion, uh, much of uh, Texas culture does not understand its own border. The people in El Paso do. El Paso and Ciudad Juarez, Juarez as we call it for short, uh, are really functioning like one huge metropolitan area. It is the largest or second largest border city when you combine both cities in the world. 
Uh, and that means that there are people living on both sides of the border, families that live on both sides of the border. So crossing through U.S. immigration every day to have the chance to go to a quality high school is something that our students are able to do and understand how to do. But more than that, um, most everybody in El Paso uh, understands that Juarez in El Paso have to live together and have to strengthen each other. And that goes across all political lines. That goes across all uh, class and cultural lines. Uh, literally, some of our best supporters for Lydia Patterson in El Paso are Republican elected officials or community leaders. And you would not think that that would be happening if you just listen to uh, the 24-hour news feed on, on cable news stations. So there's a, a life and a vitality that understands things on both sides of the border that Lydia Patterson is right in the middle of. Our church, our whole connection needs to understand that more and more. And we need to understand that from the heart intuitively. We need to understand it and negotiate a living day by day in that. And our students and our faculty and our staff um, help us do that and can even take a Missouri, Nebraska guy like me and, and help them feel like they're at home in that, uh, in that strange but wonderful uh, land that we call the borderland. And one of the people that definitely understands that dynamic is Dr. Sakura de Onda. Uh, she announced that she was retiring uh, here coming up soon. And we talked to her a little bit earlier in the show. I just wanted to give you an opportunity as somebody who has worked with her uh, over a number of years. Uh, what's what's her legacy in your in your mind? Uh, the things that have been accomplished at Lydia Patterson under her leadership. It would be impossible to uh, overstate her legacy. She had served for a number of years on staff at Lydia Patterson before becoming the president. Uh, a few years before I ended up uh, being sent to serve on the board by Bishop Martinez. Um, when I started serving on the board, we were still having late night meetings, uh, trying to figure out how we were going to keep the school open. It was, it was in a serious crisis. So uh, Socorro not only understood life on both sides of the border and how to talk about that uh, with people on both sides of the border, she also understood the finance uh, needs of, and she understood how to get busy and make connections with people around the United Methodist Church so that uh, the future of Lydia Patterson could be assured. She has done a number of other things besides that, that I'd like to point out, I think one of the great things in her legacy will be the way that she started what is called at Lydia Patterson, the lay student ministry. This is a marvelous thing where students get involved in learning about the faith, really basically on their own time. This is in addition to their academic work. And then they get assigned to serve in congregations nearby to get a sense of how church people work, and if I can be so blunt, how Anglo church people work, because that's a new experience uh, for all of them. And it's not an easy one to, uh, to get a hold of. 
Then they get assigned to go for a summer and work in a congregation somewhere around uh, our region of the country. And uh, they keep on serving in the Segundo Barrio, that's the neighborhood where uh, Lydia Patterson is located while they're in school. And many of them go on to colleges and universities around the country and keep on serving. A number of them have been going into either ordained ministry, full-time church work, uh, nonprofit work, and all of them tell the story wherever they go of what it means to link faith and life and hope and struggle all together into one great sense of being in this as a community of people, a beloved community of people, as Dr. King used to talk about. And, and it's, it's, it's just awesome. She got that started and it's going well. There are many other initiatives that she has been able uh, to launch over the years. Um, I, I don't think uh, I have enough time to, to share even uh, half of what ought to be said. Well, she's definitely got a tremendous legacy uh, and, and she's put, most importantly, she's put Lydia Patterson Institute on a, on a, on a trajectory that it should continue to go on uh, with whoever uh, uh, tries to fill her shoes. We'll put try in there. Just, those are big shoes to fill. We're gonna let that be the last word for this episode. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on In Layman's Terms. Thank you for your interest at Lydia Patterson Institute and your work for the people of God. If you wanna learn more about the Lydia Patterson Institute, you can go to their website, which is lpi-elpaso.org. We'll also put that information in the show notes so you can just click on the link and go visit that site and learn more for yourself. I want to thank our guests for this episode. Again, Dr. Sakura Deanda and Reverend Larry Moffitt. And I want to encourage all of you to learn more about Lydia Patterson and the tremendous work that happens there. Until next time, thank you for joining us on In Layman's Terms. Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifer. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org, and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.